The Free Trail Podcast is presented by Speedland, the pioneering premium trail brand from Portland, Oregon, and the makers of the brand new GSPGH. The Cam Haynes Commission is almost here. In fact, Dave is at the factory as I record this, and the shoes are on schedule for an early October delivery for all those who pre-ordered. Get excited. This shoe is amazing. The GSPGH is a lot like the GS Tam, but with a slightly softer midsole compound for a super plush and comfortable ride like all Speedland shoes. The GSPGH has the patented removable plate, a technological innovation you can only find with Speedland products. Speaking of the GS Tam, we still have some of the smaller sizes available, but we are completely out of inventory in size 10 and above for men. That's 11 and a half and above for women. That means that not even I can get another pair of my signature shoe. I have two fresh pairs stashed away here at home. They are collector's items that I will probably keep in perpetuity and I will never get another pair. So if you want one, you better go act fast. Visit runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off the GS TAM, the GS PGH, or the SLHSV. Thanks so much to Speedland. On with the show. FREETRAIL fam. Welcome back to the show. Of course, I am your host, Dylan Bohm, and here today with Jeshrin Small, the young buck shred monster who's been tearing it up this season and who has a massive future ahead. Jeshrin popped on my radar after his second place finish at the Canyons 50K in April, where he gave the all-time great Hayden Hawks a run for his money at the North American UTMB Major for the 50K distance. Then in August, Jeshrin had an even bigger breakthrough with a fifth place at OCC, the UTMB World Final for the 50K distance, top five in the world and top American at only 25 years old. Having watched the live stream of the race and the courageous style in which Jeshrin raced, I was really excited to get him on the pod for a deeper discussion. We talk all about Jeshrin's background. We spend a bunch of time on the mountain sports program at Western State University, a support system that helped to nurture young Jeshrin into the great athlete he is today. We talk about his training, his YouTube channel, and being a creator in the sport. We talk about those canyons and OCC performances. We look ahead towards future goals and a lot more. I hope you enjoy the convo. Also, please do make sure you check out the newest show in the Free Trail Network that we're doing in partnership with Boa Technology, the great lacing dials that you see on every pair of Speedland footwear that creates such an amazing fit for those amazing shoes. The podcast is called The Science of Performance, and it's hosted by Dan Feeney, a PhD physiologist and the director of the Boa Performance Fit Lab in Denver, Colorado. The first episode is with Wouter Hookhammer, who pioneered research on super shoes that have obviously fundamentally transformed running in recent years. It's a fascinating conversation that revealed a lot of common misunderstandings about super shoes that were at least very surprising to me. And uh, yeah, learned a lot about where their advantage comes from. You can find the science of performance on all major podcast platforms. So while you're listening to today's episode, go click through and subscribe. As usual, the Free Trail Podcast is only made possible with the generous support of our sponsors. In addition to Speedland, we work with Gnarly Nutrition, 
Roark Apparel and HVMN, all great companies run by great people with great products. You'll hear more from them later, but please visit the show notes for links and discount codes for some hot deals on some great trail gear. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoy the show. Jeshrin Small, what's up, buddy? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dylan. Um, stoked to be here. I appreciate appreciate you for letting me on to the, the pod. Dude, it's <laughs> it's an honor to have you here. And just before we got started, you were telling me about the new apartment that you've moved into in the endurance mecca, the trail running capital of the world, Boulder, Colorado, which is actually my hometown. So maybe tell the people about the relocation. Oh, I didn't realize it was your hometown. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess it's I guess all all great endurance athletes come out of <laughs> right. few, few locations. But um yeah, no, I've been in Gunnison. I mean, besides like a a year in Utah, I was in Gunnison since 2016 from mm-hmm. undergrad forward. And yeah, I thought like I've been I had talked about it before with like People in the community, friends, coaches, Josh, my, my coach, Josh, I believe. And just like eventually was like, I got to I got to get into a place that's a little bit. I'm 25 years old. So it's just I got to get into a little bit bigger of a city, be around trails that I could run a little bit more vert year round. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my head, there was two choices. I had Boulder or Flag. And right now it's like I'm in Boulder right now. And it was, I don't know, it's, 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 it's a big jump for me to get out of the valley because the valley is so comfortable. Valley referring to Gunnison, yep. Preston Butte area. Mm-hmm. And it's a big jump to leave, but it's been good getting the boulder. I've only been here maybe eight days because I, I moved in three days before I left for Europe. And I just got back on Monday this week. So Monday or Tuesday, honestly, I have no idea. Dude, this is going to be so fun. I feel like, you know, we could just jump off from here and go deep on your background and on your career. Cause it feels to me like this is like an investment in your future, not only like to get to a bigger city where maybe there's more people, more community to connect with, but also moving to Boulder, a better training ground, a place where you can find a lot of new training partners that can help push you to that next level of your career. But we'll get to that in a second because I've been starting the show with a uniform opening question that's been really fun to use as an icebreaker to just get to know our guests on a little bit deeper, more personal level. And that is just what makes you, you like, what are your unique strengths and weaknesses if you have to honestly evaluate yourself and how do they show up in your life? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, when you initially sent the email of like bullet points that might get asked, I saw that question. I'm like, Oh man, like, I, I don't know how to answer that. Like, I, I think it's tough. I, I, I vetted off a few friends. Um, but no, that's a, that's a tough one. I think what makes me, me is I don't, I don't know. I don't know the correct way to go about that. I think it's just like the accumulation of stuff that's happened throughout life goals. But I think, I don't know. I, it's like, it, it's hard to just jump into that, but I think the big things, I guess three sales pitch things about myself is just, yeah, like have fun, stay safe, enjoy life. Um, I think the big thing is that, what makes me me is that I am just a normal person 
And I think that's the most important thing that if I was trying to portray myself for anybody is that I'm just an average, average person, average Joe from Colorado. And it's, it's, it's cool to see this journey and process and like be at this point where like I'm at a podcast on a major media outlet. And <laughs> I, it's like, I, I, it's weird. Cause it's like, it's easy to be like, Oh, you're special. Or you deserve this. But no, I'm just, I'm just a normal person that's gotten lucky a few times. And I, I love it. bro. I just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're all normal average people in our, in yeah. our core and it is important to stay grounded and stay tethered to that understanding, especially when you're coming off a heroic fifth place finish at OCC, which we're going to talk all about, but average Joe Jesh, it's great to have you on the show. So going back to where we started, you know, actually, well, you mentioned that you had been in the Gunnison area since, 2016, but take us further back, like give us a sense of, you know, your background, where you grew up, your experience with sport, things like that. Maybe bring us up to when you moved to the Gunnison area. Cause I want to spend a lot of time on, on that program that sort of seems like initiated you into this community. So give us a sense of the background. Yeah. Um, I guess where did, it, um, yeah, let's, let's start when I first got into the mountains, I think I remember like going, growing up in middle school, like high school, like going camping, going outside, going on backpacking trips, but not really like spending a huge amount of time outside. Where'd you and grow I remember up? One, Are you from Colorado? Oh, I grew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I grew up neighbors to Golden. So oh, I grew okay. up in Golden, Colorado. So just down the road, the better Boulder, but uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but um, I grew up in Golden. Um yeah, so that's that's the area I grew up in, and then, yeah, no, I just, yeah, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I um, grew up there. Started just like getting into the mountains at an early age, but not really having a focus. And then I remember, like, if we're just looking at specifically like trail running, um, I remember one day I was like just scrolling through Google Earth and I saw some pictures of the Indian Peak Wilderness. And I was like, this looks sick. I want to go there. And like, I was, then I saw like videos of like Killian and everybody else just doing it super fast. And I was like, oh, like if they can do it, I can do it. So then I like started running. And then at the time, my sister was on like the cross country team, cross country track team. I was like, well, I could, I could go on there and just like train to like be in the mountains. I thought um, my parents and my dad, I was always just like, you have to, you have to get fit to be able to do this and you have to start somewhere. I was like, well, I could start running. Um, and then from there it's just like, yeah, no, I mean, I was never really focused on track and cross country. Um, throughout high school, I was never a superstar. I never was a, a all-star athlete. Um, but like I enjoyed it, but it was always like to go run on the trails and go into the mountains. And that's I super think the interesting, big thing, man. Yeah. I mean, because there's, there's well, so many athletes in the sport who do come from, you know, the track and cross country background from high school and college and things like that. But that was their focus. So it's, it's rare to hear from somebody who did that to get fit, to go be in the mountains. Yeah, no, I, I think it was actually a blessing too. If you really think about it, like, I mean, just like comparing to like so many athletes that have gone through like track cross country, so on and so forth. It's, it's I feel like you get focused too early and then it's just like, you're always having to like, grind 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 
and I think it's like just growing up where it's like you're running for fun, going to the mountains. It's just like it's almost a place where it's like you're never too focused for a lot of times. And I think that's something that's really like helped going forward where it's like, you know how to like balance it. And then it hasn't been like a, a constant ritual for a decade. So right. it's been good. Um, but I think the big story, I think the training, the, the training thing was, I remember was my, like, I guess my big story of like, when did I start like actually running in the mountains was, uh, I was like, my parents were always like 10 essentials. You got to bring a backpack hiking. Something's going to take like two days to do a 14 or something like that. And then I remember I was just like, when I, when I got my license at like 17 or 16 or something, I remember just like telling my parents like, Oh, I I'm taking my family's car and I'm going to a friend's house. But the reality was like, I would go and run, run mountains. And like, like, I, I remember I would be like, oh, I'm going to go run this like local trail, but then go like run up the flat irons and stuff like that. They didn't know that. And they probably would have hated that. And they still <laughs> probably, probably after this, they'll like listen to this and like figure that out. But um, yeah. then one day I like ran Albert and I was like, I, I, there was like one guy from UCCS that like was an NCAA athlete. And we were like running together the whole time. I was like, he's like, you're pretty fit. And I'm like, I'm just, a, yeah. But um yeah, that that was a good moment. Then my mom figured out I ran Albert, and she was stoked. And then, yeah, then then she told my dad, and then yeah, it was like, no, you got to stay safe. And uh, but it it was it was a good moment. I think that was like the turning point. And throughout high school, it was like I did Kendall Mountain twice yeah. when I was like a junior and senior. Just nothing crazy. Just I just did it. And then yeah, and then the transition from high school onward was. I remember in Spanish class, it was a photo of Western Colorado University uh-huh. and it was of Crested Butte and there was the most snow I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, I want to go there. I want to ski every day. And like, I was like, obviously at the time, um, I wanted to be a pharmacist too. And <laughs> so it was just, um, yeah, I guess it's like one of my other passions uh, was chemistry too. Really? And I was like, well, I, yeah, so uh, I, I focused on chemistry until 2021, uh, and then I dropped out and gave gave everything to, to running. Yeah, where did that passion like, come from? You know, Rob, Rob Carr, uh, one of the great legends of the sport of trail running, was famously a pharmacist for many years before he went full time as sort of a, an athlete, and now does a lot of coaching and camps and stuff like that too. Where did the chemistry and pharmacy instinct come from for you? Oh, well, I didn't realize he was a pharmacist. That's crazy. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's sick. Yeah. I mean, he has <laughs> no, a practice uh, now in many years, probably, you know, since you've been yeah. within the sport, he's been retired from that career. But he famously worked the graveyard shift in a pharmacy for like 10 or 15 years, Rob Carr. So you're in good company. Oh, that's that's cool. I didn't know that. That's, that's awesome. Um, I guess it's, I guess it was in high school where I had like, one teacher that kind of got me stoked on it. And then obviously watching like, like realistically I was watching breaking bad and I was like, I wanted to be Walter white. I wanted to make some like crazy compounds and like <laughs> do like, uh, uh, I assume I can't swear on this, but like, do, like cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're free to <laughs> make swear. Cool, cool, cool stuff. And then, um, yeah. And then like from that, cool I was like, stuff, well, like methamphetamines. I, yeah, well, like, <laughs> like, no, I'm like, watching all a... jokingly, like, but, but it's like, 
it's fascinating because it's like if you take away everything, it's like you're making a compound. And then I realized it's better to do it illegally and help people's lives. Yeah. Do it legally and helps people's lives yeah. because drugs are really bad. And I was like, well, I really wanted to get into pharmacy and more or less drug synthesis from that. And I was like, it's always been fascinating to me. It's like chemistry. Then mm. throughout undergrad, I was like, I could do organic chemistry at Western. Well, initially I wanted to be a pharmacist and I realized a pharmacist just sells drugs and I wanted to make drugs. So it's just like, that's when I started the passion of organic chemistry at Western. I had some good professors there, like uh, Jason Mullins, Dr. Jason Mullins, that really, he's the organic chemistry professor there that really showed the light of how cool that is. And then is he a runner uh, too? I feel like his name is familiar. No, he's no, definitely okay. not a runner. Excuse he's me. A, he's a chiller. He's, he he's loves mountain chiller. biking, but he's not. <laughs> Gerald, you... Gerald, the, the one person that was in our one professor at Western that was a really good endurance athlete was, there's probably many, but it was Gerald Ryder. And he's known for the Tour Divide, Colorado, Colorado mm -hmm. Trail. He's a bike packer. Um, he's gone like podium there before, but. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a fun guy. Yeah. All right. So so let's talk more about Gunnison, Crested Butte area, and specifically the Western States Mountain Sports Program, which it seems helped to develop you into the great athlete you are now. Give the audience a sense of place because I think very few people have been to the Gunnison Crested Butte area. Even for Colorado, it's very hard to get to a really remote part of the state, but absolutely spectacular. So give the listeners a, a sense of place and how you ended up there and, and uh, you know, introduce us to that mountain sport program. Yeah. So um, backtracking is that it's all the photo of Western ton of snow, big mountain town. Um, but then like getting to Gunnison in essence, it's in the middle of nowhere and it's a very small town. Some reason there's a college there. Um, but it's, I think Michael H, if people know the name says it best is Gunnison's great for training because he always described it when it, when I was working with him and actually knew him a little bit, it was easy that it's a very eat, sleep, training mentality there. So they have a really good NCAA track cross country track team, um, throughout the years from like the 1990s onwards. And then, but also like Gunnison is, it really is in like the center of the state, small town, uh, high altitude, 2,300 meters, 7,000 feet, um, 30 minutes away from Crested Butte, which is one of the most beautiful places in I've ever been in all the U.S. Um, but yeah, so the, the Western itself is going back to how small it is. There's 3,000 students there, and it's very tight-knit community. Really, you know your professors, you know everybody around you. Um, but yes, but they have this program there, and it was one of the reasons why I decided on going to like Western over, I guess I was looking at Mesa University, which is in Grand Junction, mm -hmm. was because they had the mountain sports team there where you could focus on mountain-related activities, such as trail running, Alpine skiing, ski mo, free ride skiing, 
mountain bike, downhill, cross country, climbing. And I was like, well, it'd be cool to just like race and like do it. And then obviously at the time, like I wanted to keep pursuing like trail running and running. Obviously NCAA was never a consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, well, I, I do want to do more in trail. And then from there, reached out to Josh, showed up there. And then, yeah, that's, that's, that's how, that's how I got there. Yeah. All right. So say a few words about Josh. You just mentioned that he still remains your coach now in your professional career. He was at uh, Broken Arrow and he was on a panel that I hosted where we talked about you a little bit, but we talked about the program more generally. Say a few words about Josh, about what role he plays in the program and how he's influenced and impacted you in your career. Yeah. So Josh initially, I mean, he said this in other podcasts, but he got offered the role of being the coach for the trail team. I think it was Duncan Callahan and Dave Weens came up to him and was like, come be the trail coach, develop this team. And at the time, like he said in a podcast, he's like, no way. Um, I'm an NCAA athlete. What do I know about trail? And then then that was a year before I got there, maybe two years. But then getting there, Josh, Josh is a very good coach and a very good mentor. Um, is because he is somebody, how do I describe this the best? He's somebody that knows how to push you and then guide you correctly. Mm. Where he's not going to micromanage you, but then he also will give you every opportunity that uh is possible and i think it's just like having him as a coach and also seeing how he's like changed his like view on trail in the last few years because initially like our first year the first like run i was 18 years old and everybody at the time it was like everybody was like grand traverse is happening next week who wants to jump in i'm like i'll do it i ran a few times this summer and like seeing that and like doing all these ultra endurance events on these like really young athletes. Um, maybe, maybe it's not the correct way to do it yeah. just because it's like at some point you need to develop thing. It's like cool to see him too, like switch his mentality of like how you train somebody, how you go about the program. How do you actually like manage 30 athletes and how do you keep everybody motivated yeah. going forward? And I think that's like, it's really, it's really cool to see what like Josh has done for the program. Cause one, he's like, he's fought for the, the development of the team partnership with Terex. Yep. Um, and he's really like, he's done so much for the community and the athletes and just like given so many opportunities. Like right now it's like even crazy, like compared to like when we started where we were sleeping in tents every single time. And now it's like all, all the, all the, all the kids are in or young adults are in uh hotels and it's awesome more comfortable yeah yeah maybe they're a little soft i'd say yeah but, right um, right right yeah <laughs> yeah in my but, day uh, we were sleeping in tents it's funny yeah, yeah i don't i don't know josh super well but he does seem like just a, a person with a, a really great attitude and you you can tell that he cares deeply about the program and about the kids who are part of it and uh, he had nothing but great things to say about you. It's funny you mentioned the names Duncan Callahan and Dave Weens, who our listeners may not know are also absolute legends of their respective 
uh, sports too. Duncan Callahan was one of my earliest influences and mentors also back in the day, two-time Leadville 100 champion. And Dave Weens, of course, I think he won the Leadville 100 bike ride five or six times. So he's also a legend of the Gunnison area. So a lot of great mentors and tutors to help develop people like yourself. Tell us a little bit about like, you know, you just mentioned the the tents, but I'd love to understand a bit about like the team environment because, you know, some of my fondest memories in life are traveling around playing lacrosse in college. And it obviously cultivated some of my strongest friendships and relationships that have lasted to this day. So give us a sense of like, you know, that team environment and also like how you guys chose what events to go to. Cause it seemed like you all sort of traveled in mass. Yeah. So, um, Initially, the first two years, well, the, because it's in the fall, there's there's limited number of events possible. Um, so it was always, there's a, a good amount between local events and then far out events, i.e. Moab Trail, which is more of a, a major event. Um, what other major events? They used to always go to Havelina. Um, but yeah, so there were Broken it, Arrow this year. There was tons of broke, West, yeah, West yeah, State yeah. runners at Broken Arrow. Yeah, and then I guess like recently it's been more developed where it's like there's summer summer races where the athletes can go to now, which is awesome. That's that's yeah, it's so cool to see everybody out there. Yeah, no, it, that one thing I want to add to that is that I think watching like every single live stream this summer is that there's always been like a, a current mountain sports athlete in the live stream you looked at mount marathon there was baiting you looked at hard rock you looked at every event there was a current mountain sports athlete in the live stream doing something and it's like so cool to see the reach of like the athletes right now it's just like they're just involved everywhere and like everybody is a good person like (laughs) i remember jack breezley during hard rock he was like giving me shout outs He's a legend. He's an up and comer. Um, but, but everybody, everybody on that team is like involved, which is, I think that's the coolest thing about it currently. And, but um, yeah, I think it's just like in my college time, looking at the team dynamics, it's, it, it was like one of the, it's honestly one of those like legendary, like, I mean, it's one of, one of those best moments of my life. It's just everybody at the time was like, we didn't know anything about running. None of us did. Like, it, like if like looking back at it now, like we didn't, we didn't know what nutrition was. Like we had some athletes picking berries and like just eating that. And like, they would take like one goo because we couldn't afford more gels during like an ultra and, or like, we didn't know what a carbohydrate was. Um, and then seeing it develop and just like going to all these events and sleeping on the tents and like, or even like Moab trail marathon where everybody's like trying to sleep before a major event and fireworks are going off in the the Canyon, which is, that's the worst thing about camping at that event is that if you, if you camp down King Creek, there's no cell reception. So you can't call the sheriff, but they light fireworks off until like 2am. Um, hot take terrible, but, um, <laughs> that's something that it like, we always had to like deal with and yeah. And just like traveling and just like being in school with everybody. It's just, it was, it was one of the most fun times in my life. Yeah. I just um, think it's so novel because like, you know, as somebody who, you know, 
played a field sport in college. Like it's so fun, but I think it's unique that Western state in Western state university in this tiny remote town of Gunnison, Colorado has what I think is probably one of the few mountain sport programs in the United States that has helped to develop a lot of great athletes, yourself included, and that is coached and led by a few great athletes. And yeah, just getting young adults out into the mountains, giving them the skills, not only to, to be safe and practice fun sports out there, but then all the fun social aspects of being on a team, all the great life experiences and lessons that come from challenging ourselves. Anyway, I just feel like it's a, it's a cool program that should get a lot of shine, especially within our community. And I hope more people will give them a follow and potentially contribute to the club. If that's something that's possible. The free trail podcast is brought to you by gnarly nutrition and our brand new collaborative product, orange drank. The brand new formula and flavor of Gnarly's flagship endurance drink mix, Fuel 2.0, which I've been evangelizing here on the podcast for a couple of years now. Orange Drank comes with a salted orange flavor and appropriately an increased concentration of sodium. You all know I'm a huge electrolyte guy in training, racing, and in daily life. So we decided to reformulate the mix and add a bit more of that salty stuff. I couldn't be happier with the finished product. It's so delicious, but more importantly, it will make you feel like a superhero while you're out getting your shred on. Typical of all the Fuel 2.0 products, Orange Drank also has 560 milligrams of HMB, a metabolite of branched-chain amino acid leucine to help prevent muscle breakdown and reduced post-workout soreness. So you get carbs, electrolytes, calories, HMB, hydration. It's everything you need straight from your bottle. Simplicity, one of the main reasons why I've always relied on liquid calories. It's so cool for us to have this product collab out in the world. Orange shoes with Speedland, orange drank with Gnarly. <laughs> Go pick up a bag today. Go gnarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. The best gear isn't born in a factory. It's inspired by real people challenging themselves to explore new parts of the world. That's why I love Rourke. Their team pulls design inspiration straight from the cultures and people of new destinations to create durable and comfortable styles that can take you straight from the trail to the coffee shop or the bar. Trail culture. For over 10 years, Rourke has explored the globe to seek adventure on the road less traveled, and each collection includes a give back because Rourke believes in leaving a positive impact on the places that host their adventures. Trail culture. The latest collection is inspired by a trip through Hokkaido, Japan, featuring Japanese prints and patterns, but free trail listeners will especially love the Rourke Run Amok line. It's functional running gear that goes against traditional active wear styling, so you'll never have to choose between performance and personality. I've been rocking Rourke's Alta 5-inch short, which are stylish and perfect for my long runs. They're super lightweight and even have a water-resistant pocket for my phone. It's a really nice product. Go check it out along with the rest of the Run Amok apparel collection for a limited time. As one of my listeners, you can get 15% off your order, go to Rourke.com, R-O-A-R-K.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Rourke. So let's come back to your career. After graduating, you said that you were sort of focusing on chemistry, pharmacy stuff until 2021, and now you're sort of 100% focused on running. Give us a sense of 
that that transition to sort of being a full-on committed professional and just the the lifestyle adjustments maybe that it required if there was any sacrifices you had to make? Yeah, so I guess, yeah, going back to like starting at like undergrad was that my vision pursuing going through undergrad was to get go traditional chemistry process you go to get your phd you do research you get a postdoc and then you get into a career and ideally you do that as soon as you can after after undergrad just because then it's like you have all skills built up it looks better for employers um but and and i think what i really loved about chemistry was one during undergrad teaching teaching students um leading leading like group sessions and then yeah so and just like just being involved in it then so leaving graduate school or leaving undergrad my i went straight to graduate school um i've had research opportunities at byu and then i also then I had a really good opportunity to then pursue the PhD at BYU um, underneath the the Castle Lab, which is they their focus is mainly on, without going too in depth, um, natural product synthesis and organic reactions, specifically looking at amine um, synthesis or carbon nitrogen bond creation. Mm. Doesn't matter. Yeah, um, over my head. Yeah, doesn't matter, but like initially like i I wanted to keep pursuing running at a hundred percent and i thought i could put graduate school on the back burner and so this was 2020 leaving undergrad the pandemic hit it was it's always like it was weird going straight to graduate school being like self-isolated but trying to do everything like a graduate program is involved um so that was a little bit interesting, but yeah. So then I left Gunnison at the time and then went straight to Provo, Utah. And yeah, no, I think that wasn't the best decision because I think, oh, how, do, how do I describe this correctly? Um, is that going, going to, I think my goal was initially that I could do both at a hundred percent. And at the time, that's when I started communication with Adidas, like leaving, leaving grad or undergrad, I started talking to Adidas. I kind of knew something was going to proceed out of that. Um, at the same time, I knew that this was a really good opportunity at BYU. So I was like, okay, I can do both. And then getting to graduate school and then still like races are on the bad back burner. And I started just, I, I was grinding every single day. And then it was just, I d- it didn't feel right though. Like it was just, I don't know. I burned myself out pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember like it was the turning point of, I remember I came home for Thanksgiving break or think, well, I asked for Thanksgiving break off. You don't actually get holidays in grad school. Um, I just kind of just left. And then I went home for Christmas also, but they're like, uh, they kind of just like shrugged their shoulders and told me to go. Right. Um, but it was like it, going to graduate school and pursuing chemistry was like uh, a goal since I was in high school. Um, and then being there, working really hard, I was able to get on like two papers before I left, 
which was good. So it's, if I ever want to come back, I think I, I have a good in. Um, but at the same time, I remember the conversation. Like I was like, at the time, I'm like, I want to pursue running, but I hate it here. I hate being in graduate school. Like I hate. I don't know. It was just like one of those days where it's like you just wake up and you just dread waking up sure. in the morning mm-hmm. because it's just like at the time it's just like you're like, well, this is pointless. I just want to run and I just want to do something else. I don't I don't want to be here right now. And then uh with that being said, I was like, and then a few things like I guess the major two decisions. I'm not saying I'm superstitious, but I remember I got in a bad car crash in Provo. Um, I walked away with it fine, but like a car hit my driver's side door just Jeez. like head on and totaled the car. I walked away just fine, wow. surprisingly enough. And then also, but it was like one of those things where like, well, this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. So there's something, something's wrong. And then like, I kept asking myself like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And then uh, I remember then I went to the Sedona team camp with Terex. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, just being there was like, wow, I, this is, I miss this. I miss being just like in a place with like runners and then everything still kind of on the fence. Um, and then like, I think the big turning point was, uh, I was with two of my friends, Vic and Micah in the mountains. And we were skiing this line called cold fusion. And like, I don't know. It's just like one of those things where it's like at the time it's like, you don't think of much of it, but it's like, I guess we had a really close call with an avalanche mm-hmm. and I was like looking at, I'm like, man, I'm in Provo and I've had two close calls with death yeah. and I've walked away. Something's not right. Time to go. Um, time to go. But then at the, then I was like, you know what? I got to get back to Gunnison. Um, and then through my connections and some really good friends, Garrett, um, he was able to help me get housing back in Gunnison. And I was able to just then, get back to Gunnison. And I, and then I think one of the turning points too, is like after that Sedona team camp, it was just like my boss looked at me and was like, you get seven days off per year. And he took up all of them. Uh, you can't travel anymore. And I knew I wanted to go out to Western States that year. And I wanted to go out to infinite trails, a part of Terex. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm I quit. <laughs> I quit. So um, let's, I want to talk more about Terex in a sec. I mean, I, I have actually a good, close call avalanche story myself that I've never talked about, but it's a story for a different day. But I, th- I think the Terex conversation is a, a rich one because I was watching your recent YouTube videos of you guys over in Chamonix. And again, we'll eventually come around to talking about your result at OCC, but it feels like Adidas has really put a lot of effort, not only to developing athletes like yourself, but just in engendering a team spirit, going back to what we just talked about at Western State, myself, in my collegiate lacrosse career, but you know, it's clear in your videos that you're spending a lot of time with people like Petter Angdahl, Corinne Malcolm, Emily Hoggood, Robbie Simpson, you know, some of the veteran professional athletes in the sport and you being a 25 year old up and comer with a lot of talent. I wondered if there was any sort of things that you've picked up via observation or through osmosis, through just spending time with people like them and your other teammates with Adidas that have helped you to conduct your, conduct yourself more professionally as an athlete? Oh, well, everything. I like, I think it's just like every time you're around the greats of the sport, like 
you you just absorb absorb everything. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's it's just. I think that's the greatest thing about like the Terex team. And then like, I remember even on the first team camp, like just one example of it. And that like one example of like, I've really benefited from is that we were all sitting around the dinner table. And I always had like that mentality of like, get your long runs, no nutrition, like just make it tough and then eat on race day. And then it feels super good. And then I remember Sabrina Stanley looked at me. It was just like, what are you doing? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And like, she doesn't remember saying that, but like, it, it was like really like, that was just like one moment where I was like, okay, you really have to start doing everything correctly. And like, you really have to start focusing a hundred percent of like how you do everything into the sport to start perfecting everything by 5% every single year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So with the team was just like, yeah, like I think the best thing is that everybody brings something unique to the table. Like not every single person is not everybody is a cookie cutter shape of an, another person. Mm-hmm. And it's also good about the team because there's not egos on the team. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, like I remember I was talking with Eric this summer. Eric um, LaPuma. Eric LaPuma, yeah. social media influencer, Eric LaPuma. Uh <laughs> uh I remember I asked him, he was just like, he initially when he was like looking at the team, he said it, it sometimes like looked at it as non-genuine mm-hmm. coming from an outside perspective. But then he, he immediately changed that perspective being like, it is a hundred percent genuine. And like, I think that's one thing like Robert has grown throughout the year is that he has picked the right people to be on the team. Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating to be like, just in like the 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 passenger seat and seeing all that unveil because it's everybody is special on that team and everybody brings something everybody brings something unique i already said that but it's just like you go to any one of these team camps and jump into a run with everybody like so, so the, it, everything is going to be different yeah but everybody focuses on the sport 100 percent. yeah and they want to be the best version of themselves at the end of the day and i think that's one thing that you just just like getting there and getting involved is just one of one of the best things about the team. Hell yeah. So talking a little bit more specifically about your running and about your racing, you and I met each other in April of this year at the Canyons 50K where you gave the great Hayden Hawks the race of his life. You know, you gave him a good scare at 50K distance. He ended up taking the win, but you were very close behind, only a couple minutes behind. That's where you punched your ticket to OCC. And to me, that felt like, you know, a big breakthrough for you, especially as somebody who was unfamiliar with you and your story prior to the race. That really, it felt like to me, put you on the map, given Hayden that that type of a competition over that distance, which, you know, is probably seen as, you know, he's probably seen as one of the best out there at about, you know, that 50K to 100K style distance. Talk about that performance, whether or not you felt it was a breakthrough and if so, to what you attributed to. Yeah, so I would say it was a breakthrough in the way that it was like a highly competitive race and I was actually able to stick it. Um do I think that it was like like I guess it's like I, I don't want to ever come out of in the right w- wrong way, but I felt like it it was a reaffili reconfirmation of what I've done in the past. Like I felt like I was in college 
like I never had stuck it at a big race before that. Um, there's always been like little, little, little goals, second here, semi-competitive second here, a win here. Um, and like, I guess in college, especially in like 2019, 2020, like I started like having a lot of good results. Mm -hmm. And I remember before that, like low key events, like running fast, I was always like, okay, if somebody's ran fast here, like for one, for one example, it was like Cheyenne Mountain 50K um, in 2019. I was like, Alex Nickel has the course record. I got to take 10 minutes off of it. And, and, and I've ran like before that, like decently fast, like it was like 340, 345 there. And then like, I think going to grad school, like I just lost some, like, I think it was like a compilation of a few different events, like some stuff during college some stuff personal, some stuff going to grad school, lost a lot of like confidence mm. and a lot of focus. Mm. And I felt like the last 2021, 2022 was just like trying to get back on track. And then like, I felt like this last year, like I really got focused back into like why I was doing it. And like fundamentally, like why I do this is one, I got to do it for myself. I can't do it to please other any uh, anybody else i want to be there because i want to be there and i think that was a really that was a change of mindset after after 2022 season and then just being like going back to the mentality of being like you know what you get you gotta like i think robbie simpson made this quote was that it's like so many people complain about not being fast at the end of the day, you just need to work harder. Mm. If you do not like where you're at, you have to put in more work to get where you want. And I think that's like one mentality that I've taken away from Robbie a lot is that you, if you want something greater, you have to put in the work and you have to run faster. Yeah. End of the day, that's that simple. And I think that was the mindset going forward, just being like, doesn't matter what's going down. You have to run faster. Mm -hmm. And it really just like this mentality switch of like, run like there's no tomorrow you want to do like hardcore stuff and just just put it all out there and yeah. i think that was the mentality going to canyons and canyons oh man i wish i got hayden i would i'm joking on this this is a joke i know if he ever listens to this is that he definitely he sandbagged that because he he sat on my heels he let me i took the pole for 28 miles <laughs> But uh, <laughs> he I'm was joking. just in the slipstream. No, he, he, he was just waiting. To... He's slipstream. Yeah. No, I'm joking. He ran that very smart. I wish. I wish I. I, I was. I was following his tactics. Sure. No, I. I looked up. I remember watching his like old North Face videos back in when I was like yeah. college or yeah, however that, how that old famous, I was. That crazy. famous Jamil Curry. I think you know that. I forget what channel it's on. Probably Run Steep Get High. The whole. Hawks versus Miller versus Hawks YouTube video. That's going to go down in history. And he had nothing but good things to say about you. But for you, to me, it feels like a breakthrough because, you know, Hayden Hawks is one of the name brand athletes of this generation. Yeah. And you gave him a legitimate run over 50K. And again, you know, like he would be the first to admit, like, yeah, if he was racing tactically, that's, you know, that's a veteran move. That's the type of thing that maybe you'll do when you're 32 or 33, whatever, <laughs> whatever, uh, you know, Hayden's age is yeah. at this point. But anyway, it was awesome to meet you there. And it's been fun to observe your career since. One of the ways that I have been observing your career is through your cool YouTube channel. And I thought this would be fun to chat about. And 
of course, encourage our listeners and viewers to, to go check it out. Also, give us a sense of how that project evolved and how it's been supportive of your professional athletic career. Yeah. Um, yeah, I keep always looping back uh, throughout the timeline. Um, but I think it's just going back to the mentality after leaving leaving undergrad, I was trying to focus 100% on two things. But then in 2021, when I left everything, I realized my big goal. And I think that really helps. For me, it's like, I think the number one thing that's most important is that you got to, if you're going to do something, give it 100%. Mm-hmm. And just always focus 100% on everything. Don't try to do two things at 100% because something's going to break. Whether it's you, your mentality, so, something will break. At the end of the day, or something will be neglected. And I think it's just like going forward was just like, okay, gotta go give a hundred percent to running. And then from that was like, did the last few years. And then I was always scared, just like putting myself on social media for like the longest time. Um, just because of the mentality, especially like being in mountain towns, being like social media is only for like the influencers and like, if you're an athlete, you shouldn't post anything or like, it's like a weird mentality. I think all of us have like been in those rooms where like people like, I don't know, in essence, like shame you for like social media. But like, I think my transition after last year was like, okay, we got to tell my story. Mm -hmm. And I really think we do like really cool stuff and really just like, I don't know, badass stuff. And like, we got to share it. And like, at the end of the day, like my transition in 2022 was like, there's a lot of really talented athletes out there that don't tell anything about their story. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why should anyone care about you? Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like, tell your story because no one else is going to tell it, but you. And I think it's just like, why should somebody invest 10 minutes into trail running? Like as a viewer. Yeah. And I think it's like, if no one posts anything, no one tries to grow it. Like you're, it's awesome to see free trail. I think that's one of the coolest things, like your YouTube channel, your podcast. I've listened, I've listened to a lot of po- a lot of a lot of your episodes. Thanks. Watched man. a lot of your YouTube videos. I re- I think you're doing a lot of good things. But because you're doing that, somebody can somebody somebody that has no place in the sport can then tune in and actually care. Yeah, yeah. And you give them a reason to care. And you give them a reason of what you're actually doing. Cause if you go up to somebody on the street, like I could go up to anybody in Boulder and be like, why what is trail running and like well is that you hike up chautauqua like yeah. I, no one knows what it is and i think in europe obviously that change is different but i was like okay we got to portray it and we got to showcase it and i also like i look at all of the media team at our on our honor with Terex related to Terex rabbit rabbit wolf i look at rafa's team mm-hmm. fifferman production and just like i think they make awesome stuff mm-hmm. And it's like, I look up to everybody in the media crew and like media groups throughout the sport and be like, it is, it's fascinating what they're able to do. And I want to do that. And then it gives me something where it's like, I could give like a little bit of my time to, because mm-hmm. it's hard giving a hundred percent to running is like, what if, what if it's the down season and now you have 20 hours a day to scroll your phone, send memes. Right, I, I, yeah. I, admit, I send a lot of memes. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, everybody that's related knows me. I, I have, I'm at my meme groups. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I keep the, the banter going, but, um, 
But like, I really wanted to focus on something where it's like, I could tell my story, showcase something. And also I was like, no one else is really doing YouTube. I mean, there's Sage Candidate, yeah, Harry's but you, Run. Yours is good. And I think, you know, the thing that sticks out to me from what you just said is like, you know, the medium needs to fit the individual too. Like I had never felt comfortable with social media either. And it wasn't until like, I really got serious about like long form podcasting to where like, yeah. I just really enjoy it. Like whenever I post on Instagram, it's like reluctantly, you know, it's like, I don't feel comfortable in that digital space, but doing this with you, it's like the funnest thing ever. Right. And then like for you, when you're doing your, your vlog stuff and documenting your training and your racing, you can tell that you enjoy it, you know, potentially more so than you enjoy, you know, like posting things on, on Instagram or other platforms or something. And it comes across again, just want to encourage our, listeners and viewers to go check it out. I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes for you. So we eventually need to start talking about OCC, but I'd love to talk about your training a little bit too. You mentioned Josh a couple of times here in the program and mentioned that he's your coach. So maybe just give the people a sense of your training and broad strokes, the mix of volume and intensity, and maybe just focus on that build towards OCC. Like what were the things that you identified were your weaknesses and how did you go about you know, training specifically for that event, which I know is the biggest race of the season for you. Yeah, no, uh, key things in my training is hard every day, triple T every day, uh, threshold power, everything. I'm just joking. No, no, I, I, I think, I think, uh, one thing I've learned from Josh is that it's a long, long term game. And I think, the goal of it is not to be fit right now. The goal of it's to be fit in a decade from now. The goal is to keep doing it for a decade. And it's not about doing all this crazy stuff, burning out, getting injured, never being on the run again. And it's just like, I rather just this low, slow increment and slow grind up. And I think that's one thing like Josh has always taught and Josh has came from a NCAA background, track, road, mountain. A lot of his stuff has been focused around that Tuesday workouts, Friday, Friday, Tuesday intervals, Wednesday, midweek, long run, Friday, tempo, easy, easy, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, long runs, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Very, I mean, it's very simple. Like I think, I think one thing that's changed out in the years is that I've noticed it's like pure prioritizing segments throughout the year. And we both have noticed that it's not about getting fit in the summer for summer races. Mm. It's about getting fit in the springtime. Cause if you can climb well in the spring, you're going to climb well in August. And I think that was one thing looking at the past was like looking at uh, what was it? Like if we look at college, I always was fit in fall and spring and I never was fit in summer. And the reason that is, is because I would always take the summer as base building, fine tuning in the fall Mm. and you race really well in the fall. And that's the same thing with like winter base building, fine tuning spring race. Mm -hmm. And it's, and you got to switch that mentality for a lot of the stuff going forward. Um, But at the end of the day, it's like pretty simple. Like I, I, I don't, I don't train crazy. Yeah. Everything is, it, it's, you, you gotta, you gotta put in the miles first. I think Tom, 
I think one quote I've gotten from Tom is that is that Tom Evans yeah. is that um it's either either you've done the miles and done the reps or you haven't. And it's like in the end of the day, it's like you just have to put in the miles and do the work. And you don't need anything super crazy. And I think it's like it's interesting because you look at so many other people in the sport, like I'll look at one of my it works for him, but if you look at like Petter Engdahl's training, mm-hmm. it's absurd. Like, I mean, I think it's like, if I were to try that, I would be broken, but it works for him. Yeah. And, um, it, but also you look at other people's training too. And it's just like super chilled, super like easy hour here, two hours here, no structure. And that wouldn't work for me. So it's like, I think that my training is simple, but like, I, I, I don't know. It's not super complex. It's all on Strava. Yeah. Nothing. I was going to say, I'll, I'll put the link to your Strava and the show notes too, because it, it does seem to be simple and approachable. It's not heroic volume. It looks like a lot of consistency throughout the year. And this year has been marked with, you know, consistent performance too. And I think those two things are probably intimately related. So coming around to OCC now, before we get to this year's race, I'd love to hear you talk about last year's OCC. Of course, it was a massive improvement this year. Last year, you were 24th. This year you ran an hour and 20 minutes faster, but everybody says the course was about 30 minutes faster. So call it a 50 minute improvement over the course of that 55 K massive improvement. So maybe tell us a little bit about the 2022 race, what you identified you could improve upon and how you went about doing so this year. Um, I think just going back to like the Robbie quote, you just have to get faster. And you just have to always like run a little bit faster, knowing just, how to do I it. I just correctly. want to point out to our listeners here that you've now quoted Robbie Simpson, Tom Evans, and Petter Engdahl. So I think, like, you know, just the, it, what we talked about earlier is like, you know, absorbing things from people who've come before you. And those are obviously three great champions of the sport. And you're, uh, whether you realize it or not in your youth, you're very lucky that you've been able to spend time with those guys and I'm sure it'll benefit you long-term. Anyway, I interrupted you. Keep going. Oh yeah. I just, yeah, I'm extremely blessed where I'm at. I I wouldn't be here without the compilation of everybody. It's not, I don't know. It's always, I don't know. Just one thing to add. Like, I think it's as an athlete, it's really easy to get caught up and to be like one result and be like, Oh, that's my result. But at the end of the day, it's a compilation of so many people. And I, I don't know. Yeah, this year was good, but it's like, it's also like this year is also like everybody that's came before me. Mm-hmm. It's everybody I've learned from. It's also their result. It's every, everybody that's like invested into me and like gave time and the future's bright. I don't know. I, I'm always thankful for everybody. I always give shout outs to everybody and oh. not about me. It's about everybody else. So, <laughs> All right, but, so, um, so t- yeah, tell us about last year's race and, and how you were able to get such a massive, you know, improvement upon the performance from 2022. I think in basic was don't overcomplicate it. Focus on being able to actually run because you have to be able to hit the splits and run fast. And I think the, the season was set up in the correct way. Whereas like last year I hadn't raced any like longer stuff the whole entire season. And then this year I had canyons and Mount ultra trail at some shorter, faster stuff. And then even getting to like Shamanita this year, I was like, well, I don't want to be out there for so long. So three weeks is perfect. 
Um, and then getting there, I kept it very basic. I didn't get caught away with trying to run 30,000 feet a week. Um, I went to the gym every single day. I've been, I think the biggest thing was like, I, I've been weightlifting a ton. And I think that's the biggest thing I would say. If anybody wants to like improve, go to the gym and lift heavy stuff, do it properly, build up accordingly. Don't just like jump up and break your back. But I think that's the biggest thing anyone could do. And then it just, it's an instant, it's an instant improvement. Dude, it's funny. Cause I was watching your YouTube video, like I said, and you were doing a two by four minute steady state workout. And at the end you're like, okay, now it's food, weights, food, easy devil food. And it struck me though, like you being a 25 year old that oftentimes younger runners struggle with the discipline of doing those little things. And it sounds like that's been sort of a light bulb moment for you recently with this weight room revelation Mm -hmm. and eating a bunch. That's also important. Eat, eat, eat more, train more. You can't train more without eating more. That's also, I always plug that in there too. Um, but yeah, no, that's something that, yeah, it's been important. Cool, man. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by HVMN and the Ketone IQ Supplement. Ketone IQ has become a huge phenomenon in endurance sport in recent years, allowing athletes of all levels to access new levels of performance. It was first adopted in cycling, especially among the professional ranks, but it's now finding its way into the running world, which is awesome and with great success. I recall seeing British ultra star Tom Evans smashing a ketone IQ as he jumped in the raft at the Lucky Chucky River Crossing on his way to victory, the 2023 Western States. Well, if it's good enough for Tom, it's good enough for me. Ketone IQ was invented by HVMN to help athletes of all levels reach their physical potential by boosting cognitive performance. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you know that your brain is key to performing at your best as a runner from fatigue resistance to improved focus and mental clarity. Ketone IQ can give you deeper brain power when the miles and exhaustion start to add up. This is something you really have to experience to understand. So make sure you give Ketone IQ a try. You can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com forward slash free trail 30. Again, visit hvmn forward slash free trail 30 and subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. There is a link in the show notes of this episode as well. Thanks to HVMN. All right. So going into this year's OCC, I'd love to have you talk about what your goals were, because for me, as I watched the broadcast, it was really inspiring to see you like really put yourself in the fight, like really put yourself out there and give yourself a chance to land on the podium. Ultimately you finish fifth. So maybe talk about that risk taking the psychology of believing yourself to be racing at the front on the world's biggest stage. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the, the goal initially going into it, maybe it seemed like a little bit crazy looking at everything in the past, but the goal was to get on the podium. And maybe that was like partially, uh, non-validated confidence that gave that ideology i think it's just like as in many athletes i mean do you do you agree with the statement that a lot of athletes feel like you can do anything like do you feel like you could do anything the great ones the great ones i've never felt that way no personally (laughs) no but you know just like the people who 
do break records, the people who put together the shocking performances that go down in history, they all have that same common through line of belief and confidence that it's possible, even in the cases, like you mentioned, where maybe it hasn't been validated in other races to, you know, be justified in believing that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I think, yeah, the goal was to get on the podium. Uh, and then like, I think beforehand, like we were talking like a little bit of like tactics with like Robbie and I, and just like, kind of like going off of him, just being like, how do, how do we do well here? And I think the big thing that's always important is like, you just have to be up there with the front group at the very start. And with some things with nutrition was that, uh, I think it's, 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 it's tough. Like looking at it and you're like, well, I was leading the race at Champagne lock, but, um, the goal of that was we took, I one one technique, um, is that you don't take all the nutrition at the very start. Cause it's 30 minutes up there. Yep. Then you just fill up at Champagne lock. And then you don't have to do that initial 2000 feet with an extra five pounds. Um, maybe I'm sharing too much information and, um, but I think most people do that. So that's okay. Yeah. Um, but like the goal there was one, I was like, well, if you can put a, like a little bit of a surge there, it really just strings out the field really quick, as long as you're not overexerting yourself, but then it's also strings out the field. You can get to Champagne lock, take some time, fill up your bottles and then get going again without getting like losing time. Mm-hmm. Um, but also doing that was also like, you can spread that field out. So instead of having 40 people there, you have six. And I think that was the main goal is hoping that more people would go with me. And then at Champagne lock, I think I lost 40 seconds there. Cause I was fumbling with my bottles, mm-hmm. which I look back and I'm like 40 seconds, 30, 40 seconds. That adds up. I was, I was two minutes away from, uh, who what's the what's the name of the guy that got fourth the chinese athlete yeah i can pull it up here i do have it up on my computer but you guys were all so close man yeah you were just behind yeah. Shen guan who was in fourth place yeah, but you were doing... only you were less than six minutes you were five and a half minutes behind steon the champion yeah no but it's i don't know i look at those and like those little things but no i think that was good the goal going to the race was like get to the top of the climbs first chill on the downhills don't blow up the legs on the downhills but i think that was like the goal proceeding forward and then that climb out of champagne lock like the next big climb or i'd say it's like part two of the first climb mm-hmm. uh that's when it's like we started to break a lot of people away and then it was steon robbie uh lutau and the other guy that was ahead of us and we were all like running together and then on the descent, there's that little hut aid station. Mm-hmm. I stopped there. I shouldn't have stopped there. I should have just went to Trion. I lost 30 seconds there. The flow of those like water canisters are really slow, which is a little bit, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It costs time. Yeah. But then I had to like sprint and catch back up with them, but like not sprint too hard and blow up the legs, mm-hmm. um, which was a little, I should have just took another, another gel, but um and just like not worried about filling up bottles there. So that's 30 seconds lost there. But then like coming out of that Triant filled up the bottles. And then I, that's where like, I wasn't feeling like the best coming out of Triant, but it didn't feel bad. 
And I was like, oh man, we just got, we got to get up this climb. And I was like, as soon as you get to Colabon, braces, you can, you can do, you can get up to La Fagere, even if you feel bad. Yeah. Um, but then it was like, then it was like Robbie and I working together and then Stian and I forget who else was Stian was up ahead, kind of lost him. And then there was a group behind us. We kind of dropped them. And then it was just us two. Then at the time, Francesco Pupi was able to catch back up with us. And then we got to call the bomb and it was us three together. Uh, then we started all just running downhill together. Mm-hmm. And then that was good. They had cameras on you guys uh, up there. It was sick. It was sick. Yeah. <laughs> and we were all just like, go, Josh, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, no, it was. I guess it was like cold. I guess people were saying up top. I didn't. I don't think any of us racing noticed it, but it, like everybody was like in puffies, and yeah. I guess it was like cold and windy. So tell us but, about the the cruxy spots, you know, between Col de Balm and the Fougere, because, like I said, you guys were all packed together so closely, and at that point, it really does come down to tactics, execution, psychology, mm-hmm. things like that, and you being probably the least experienced runner in the field. You know, I wonder if that played into your psychology at all or really what you were thinking between Cold Balm and when you arrived at the finish line. Well, I knew we were, well, everybody kept saying, well, I knew we probably wouldn't have caught Steon. Um, but I was like, okay, just gotta, you gotta just keep this fluid on the descent. Um, at that point, I, I took the lead. It was kind of like taking the pull for uh, Robbie and Francesco. But I noticed like beforehand, like on the first two climbs, like just like listening to the poopy, he was, he was breathing harder. And he, I know he said this in like multiple podcasts, but he said like the initial half of that race, he said he wasn't feeling good. And like, I didn't catch up on the, I didn't catch up on the shift where like he started feeling good. And I kept thinking, oh man, I can now climb him on the, the climb out, but we were all running together. Um, yeah, no, like coming down, it was like, we were moving well, but not like crazy, but it was like efficient. Like I, like I was looking at the splits and I was like, we're running the same as they did last year. And then, yeah. So like, I just, I was never worried. I knew Francesco sprinted forward a little bit. Um, actually coming out of Argentina, no, the tour coming up. I remember on like the single track, cause I, I had took bottles out and like, I would fill it with powder drink the bottle, then take the empty bottle and put it in the back of our vest. Mm-hmm. And one of them had fallen out. And then like Francesco was like, just leave it. And I'm like, I can't litter. The camera person's there. So I had to run, <laughs> grab that and catch back up. That was a little bit annoying. Um, but then we got down to Argentier. We were all together. Um, at that time, I guess Robbie had ran out of nutrition. I didn't know that. So he took a little bit more time to get more stuff. Then uh Poopy and I just took off. Um and then on the climb, I was just thinking, okay, Poopy can't outclimb me because he hadn't been out climbing me the whole entire day. I guess that's like, I don't know, maybe a little bit maybe a little bit tough because he's he one did. of the best climbers in the sport. <laughs> yeah, one is, he's one of the best climbers in the sport, right. but I was like, oh, I can outclimb him. But um but then he like made like a little bit of a move and I was at the time I was like, Oh, he'd come back. But I really should have just like maybe be Doug just like just went red line for a minute and just not let him drop me. Mm-hmm. And then I think that we could have stuck together for a little bit longer, which mm-hmm. would have been a little bit more beneficial. Um, but yeah, the psychology, I don't know. I guess it's just 
Like you're clearly competitive, man. Like (laughs) I I really, I really admired that about you in the race, you know, especially coming off that race against Hayden, you know, and sort of having that realization, at least, you know, talking about that being a breakthrough in your career that you can compete at that level on that stage and just going out and giving it a try. And even though there's 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there that you could have saved yourself, maybe not drop the bottle on the ground, et cetera. I mean, you still finished fifth place. Top five at OCC is a huge result for you. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just like, yeah. It's cool to seem like every single year, just like you learn a little bit, you get a little bit better than, Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So sort of thinking ahead, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, you know, as we sort of start to approach the end of our conversation, talking about the future a little bit, you know, I know you've done things like the Grand Traverse, a couple hundred K style races, but this year focusing mostly on the 50 K ish distances, just in terms of career planning, what has you excited both in the short term and the long term? Yeah. Um, I think I, I want to slowly start moving back up to the distance because I think, I think an important part about this distance or like trail running in general, when I look at the sport is about going far and fast and is like, just being like, it's just about just doing, it's about going like hard and as long as you can. And I think that's the important thing about like trail running is, is just like, doing one peak, doing the next peak and just seeing how far you can go. So I think going far is an important part of the sport without undermining or out selling subalter type stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think, so with that being said, um, my goal going into the future was, I think right now the goal is to go back to OCC next year. I think it would have been a little bit different if I got on the podium this year, go back to OCC next year. I really want to get to Western States one day. I really want to do CCC and I do really want to like, I think next year I really want to do Transvolcania. Um, I think with Tarek's we'll have the opportunity to go out there and I really want to race the, the 70 K out there. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a lot of fun, but also I want to intermix some like, uh, shorter stuff into the, because I think that's an important part of the training block too, mm-hmm. where it's like, I think just like looking at the next year, 50k half marathon transvolcania broken air i re- i want to do the 20k there sweet dude i yeah then uh occ maybe throw something else in um but yeah i think that's the plan for the next year but i really want to go back up i really want to try western states one day i think that'd just be i don't know i think i'm ambitious but i think it'd be very fun to like see to see how long you could run fast for. I'll oh, yeah. probably, I'll probably we would blow love up to have and... you, man. We would love to have you yeah. speaking on behalf yeah. of the Western States organization and the board. We would love to have you yeah. any, anything else this season? Or are you wrapped up for the year? Uh, well with Tarek's we'll head out to Cappadocia, um, in Turkey. Cool. Um, so that'd be a fun little trip. I guess I'm headed out there in, uh, three weeks. Nice. Um, kind of a quick turnaround. I think, the two main objectives for Tarek's in the falls are stuff in Cape town and then stuff in Turkey. Mm. Um, are you, but it's, I think, no, no, I'll just do Cappadocia. I think an important thing is just taking time off in November. Yeah. Um, I don't like, 
I don't like pursuing. I've done that for like last year, the years before racing until like late November, but I just feel like I get burnt out. Um, so it's just stay focused, get done with Cappadocia fun trip. I'm really excited to go to Turkey. Um, I really, I think it just, it's, it's a cultural thing that I haven't been involved in, especially becoming from like a, a westernized country, westernized area. Um, but so I think that'd be a really exciting thing to be involved in. And then, yeah. And then in the fall, yeah, just chill. Cool. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, you've got acres of pasture ahead of you metaphorically, you know, 25 years old, you can take your time. There's a lot of goals to get to. And, uh, you know, you've got all the, the talent and a good attitude to, to match, to make big waves in this sport. And I hope you have a long and successful career and you're off to a great start here. I appreciate you coming on the show. We always end with two closing questions that I'm going to propose to you now. The first one is who is one person you admire inside or outside of sport living or dead? And why is it that you admire that person? Oh, can I put this in two parts? Go ahead. Yeah. So I think, well, I think one, one, I guess I admire everybody cause I've been in, in the sport for so long and just been a fan of it. So I look up to like everybody. Um, I guess it's like growing up, I, I, I was really into climbing. So like, I guess like I really have always admired like the Krish Sharma mentality of just like everybody he's focused. He's very focused, but at the same time, it's like, there's the classic story of like world championships where he's at a world cup event and everybody's in this tight lycra and like, you know, they're just, they're, 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 they're doing everything right. And he just shows up, he has his phone and keys fall out of his like wallet halfway up the, the, the wall. And just like, it just doing crazy stuff and just like being just like this dirtbag hardcore mentality. But on a personal level, I think I've always, the people I've always admired and looked up to is a lot of people that came from Gunnison, like Josh, Greg, he was a mountain sports director, Bill, he was an assistant coach, Duncan Callahan, and so many others. And I think it's just like, it's just the compilation of everybody that I've looked up to. But yeah. I love it, man. Chris Sharma's a legend and, yeah. <laughs> and some of those, those unsung heroes too, that have been impactful on your personal life. Final question for you here, Josh. What is one truth that you've learned about yourself or about life in general through your experience as an athlete? Uh, just have fun. Give 100% to it. You don't know what next year is going to look like. So just enjoy the moment. Just don't, don't, don't plan too far ahead. Just, just have a goal. Focus on it. And then wherever it takes you, just enjoy the process and do what you love. Like, if it's making money, do that. If it's running, do that. Um, but it's just like, cause God knows you can't do both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, um, I, I just focus on what you love. Whether, whether, no matter what it yeah. is, we're not yeah. <laughs> paying athletes. Let's not get into that. <laughs> Uh, well, Josh, dude, I'm a big fan of yours, young man. And, uh, I'm glad we got people like you in the sport. I think you represent a lot about what's good about the sport now, but you know, gives me confidence that it'll be in good hands going off into the future. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Congrats again on OCC and we'll hope to catch up again soon. Yeah. I appreciate you a lot for having me and I'm always stoked to have time to talk with you and yeah, always learn. Thanks. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks.
Jeshrin Small, a man on a mission. Can't wait to continue following his career. Speaking of which, go follow Jesh yourself. I link to his YouTube channel, his Instagram account, and his Strava account, all in the show notes in today's episode. Free Trail Pro members, let me know what you thought of the episode. Drop your feedback in Slack. Let's keep the conversation going. And if you're not a member, you are missing out and you're breaking my heart. Come join the team. Membership is only $10 a month or $96 for the whole year. And there is a free trial. If you're looking for some coaching, look no further than the free trail experts. Our very own MK Sullivan just won the Mammoth Trail Fest 50K and she is available to start pushing you to your potential as are several other great coaches and service providers that we've curated under the free trail umbrella. Find out more at freetrail.com or the free trail experts link in the show notes. A big thank you to our sponsors. Of course, Speedland, run speedland.com. Use code freetrail10 for 10% off these great shoes. Gnarly Nutrition, go gnarly.com. Use code freetrail15 for 15% off the orange drink and any of their other great nutrition products. HVMN, get 30% off your first subscription of Ketone IQ by visiting hvmn.com forward slash freetrail30. Again, 30% off your first subscription. And then finally, Rourke Apparel, Rourke.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off some great trail apparel. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll talk to you again very soon. Love you so much. Bye-bye.